Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am so glad you're here with us today. We are talking about how to raise sexually healthy kids. So this is an important topic for us to discover. No matter where your kids are in life, um, we need to have a game plan of how we're going to broach this topic. Listen, I've had some interesting experiences with my own kids lately. I have a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 4-year-old. So we're at all different types of phases and development, specifically related to understanding the body and the changes in the body and everything that goes beyond those conversations, even into the conversations about sex. And, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw a couple weeks ago, we had an interesting experience happen with my 10-year-old. She got a text message. She has an Apple Watch and a dedicated number to that watch that no one knows. Uh, and it's specifically so that we can get in touch with her when she's at friends' houses, you know, coming out of school, that kind of thing. And she got a text from a spam number that said, looking for hot singles, send me your nudes, and something to that effect. And she came home and said, Mom, I got this text today. I think somebody was asking me on a date. And I said, well, let me take a look at it. And I looked at it and my jaw hit the floor. I'm going, who is this person? How did they get her number? And the crazy thing is, shortly before that happened, about a week or so prior, I watched a documentary about the dangers of the internet for kids, something I'm pretty versed in or consider myself to be pretty versed in. But I learned about something called porn bots. And essentially, these are AI programs that are running, fishing for pornographic images, fishing for people who would be interested in that kind of a thing, and then they connect them with companies who will actually essentially exploit them. And I think that's what this was. I think this was a porn bot. It was a spam message to about 20 different people. We didn't know any of the people, so it would appear they just bought her number off of some sort of call registry or whatever. But I had the privilege then of explaining to my daughter what nudes are, what nude photos are, and why it's so important to never engage with someone that is asking for those. So it got me thinking, and I had already been planning prior to that about a podcast like this, but that pushed me over the edge. You know, we've got to figure out how to raise sexually healthy kids in 2021 in this day and age, because here's the uncomfortable truth. Your kids are being exposed to sex, whether you want them to or not, and they're being exposed to sex younger than you want them to. This is one of those things that I wish so badly I could insulate my kids from. And while to some degree I can, I can't prevent them from these types of breaches that, you know, no matter what our wall of safety is fortified with, there's still going to be random spam that comes in. So we don't really have the luxury of just assuming our kids are going to be unaffected by the perverse culture that they live in. Because we can't, like, you know, refrain from all forms of technology. Now, you might say, well, you don't need to give your kid a phone number at that age. And, you know, you might be right. But eventually they're going to have a phone number. Eventually they're going to have to figure this out. And at what age is it appropriate to be engaged with this kind of stuff? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. So I've got a couple of thoughts for you. And I want to say up front, I'm not, like, great at this. I'm 
I don't consider myself an expert at any level. I just want to share with you some things that I've felt have worked well, some things that I've learned along the way, and really encourage you to share your thoughts as well. So send them to me. Post this podcast in your social media and add your thoughts on it as well. Tag me in it so I can see it, because I think this is a conversation that we need to have as friends, as mothers and fathers, banding together to raise sexually healthy kids. So why does that matter? Well, number one, God created sex. He did. He created it. It wasn't an afterthought because he created man and woman and they just figured out what to do with their bodies. No, he actually deliberately created sex. And with all created things, there is an appropriate way to use it and an inappropriate way to use it. This can go for, you know, all types of, we could say oxygen, right? Oxygen is a created thing. So there's an appropriate way to use it, to breathe it, to have it be in medical instances. You know, there's plenty of other options with water, that kind of thing. And then there's an inappropriate way to use it. When there's too much levels of oxygen, uh, we can actually get things to be flammable. When there's too little oxygen, we can actually kill life, right? So, so there's inappropriate ways and there's appropriate ways in created things. And the same is true with things like sex. It is a created act for a specific purpose. Now, depending on your theological viewpoint, you may say, well, what is the purpose of sex? Is it solely just for procreation? I'm going to suggest to you, I don't think so. I think God created sex for a number of of reasons, and you can actually explore some of those in our podcast, Let's Talk About Sex, from a year ago. But really, what God was doing when he created sex was creating a platform, an avenue to connect the covenant of marriage and, and hold that bond. We talked in our podcast last year about this, that men have this sex drive that draws them back to their woman. It's a good thing. We talked about how women, when they feel vulnerable and loved, they want to have sex. They want to engage in that with their husbands. It's Sex is a good thing. It is a gift from God, but it is a gift limited to this earth. And it's a gift specifically designed for marriage. So why do I say that? Well, when we look at this crazy story where they came up to Jesus and said, hey, this guy or this woman had a husband who died, then she married his brother, and then he died, then she married his other brother, and she has eventually like seven husbands before she dies. And they say, who's going to be her husband in heaven? And Jesus says this interesting thing where he says, look, in in heaven, there is no marriage. You don't have a need for it. What does that mean? That marriage isn't valuable? No. It means that marriage was created for earth, for our life on earth. Marriage and sex inside of marriage was created for the covenant bond between two people who are married and to bring forth children. So there's two parts of it. When we are going to raise sexually healthy kids, what we're doing is teaching them what sex is, what it's for, and what it's not for. Sex is not for our own gratification. It's actually more a gift that we give to our spouse. And this is so important to have as a foundation in our minds because the world wants to tell you that you are by nature an animalistic person, that you have this primal part of you that is like an animal and we use the the myth of you know Darwinian evolution to support that somehow in our brains that yes, we have these primal instincts and that's why we have sex and, and we, we use that as an excuse for men and women to, you know, that we're just helpless to our lusts and all this kind of thing. The truth of the matter is that the sexual part of you is probably the least interesting part of you. The part of you that craves sex, that wants sex, that needs sex is is really just one part of your whole. You are not first and foremost a sexual being. 
And this is so important for us to understand because if you are called to be single, if you're called to live a celibate lifestyle, you can do that freely as though you're not missing out on anything. Why? Because inherently you are not subject to the sexual desires in your soul. That's like a lower level of thinking. So when we approach the topic of raising sexually healthy kids, the first thing we have to do is understand what sex is for and help them understand that first and foremost, they are not a sexual being and their sexual preference is the least important thing about them. Yes, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be, you know, they need to have a safe place to discuss that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But ultimately, when we help them understand that this is a part of you, not the whole of you, we begin to shape their foundation that the primary part of them is a spirit that longs to connect with God, that they are first and foremost a spiritual being, an, an, an eternal soul. That is the most important part about them. That is their primary identity as a son or daughter of God. So sex is a created thing for a specific purpose. When we use sex outside of that purpose, things get a little wild. I mean, we, look, this is not to shame anybody, and, and that's not my intention of this. And you need to go back and listen to last year's podcast about sex if you have questions about how this relates to you personally. But the truth of the matter is that God created sex for marriage. And because people choose not to do that, then we have things like STDs and other physical problems that have come from a fallen world that we live in. Did you know that HPV, it's, it's rumored that 80%, maybe not rumored is the wrong way to say that, but statistically, 80% of sexually active adults in the United States have HPV. And what that means is that sexually transmitted diseases are everywhere, specifically this one, which is incredibly dangerous. In fact, men who carry HPV don't have any symptoms of it. And HPV is, I believe, the leading cause of cervical cancer in women. In fact, I believe it's the only cause of cervical cancer, and cervical cancer is one of the most deadly cancers to women there is right now. So when we backtrack this and look at it, we say, okay, so all of this death and destruction has come from misusing what sex is for. I don't know about you, but I want my kids to be sexually healthy. I want them to know the benefits and the joys, and I want them to know the dangers. So how do we do that? How do we do that without creating this sort of hyper purity mo movement like we did in the 90s where people are signing true love weights virginity cards and wearing promise rings and kind of a little bit overkill? I think there's a balance in there, a natural human balance where the, the concept of sex is this ever-evolving conversation in the home that's creating a safe place for people, children to come into their own to understand it, where we're not forcing them to understand it all in one conversation that we never revisit, and we're not stringing them along so that they're 18 years old and just finding out what it is for the first time. Each of us as parents need to have these conversations. So my thought is this, your children will be introduced to sex earlier than you're comfortable with. I mean, look, my 10 year old just had this text on her phone. Uh, and thankfully we've already begun the conversation with about sex with her. Now you might say, wait a second, she's only 10. Well, yeah, in my opinion, the conversations about sex actually begin as conversations about your body when you're a toddler. 
And this is how I view this, and I, I really strongly believe this, that we need to teach our children about their bodies. Which parts do you touch? Which parts do you not touch? Which parts do you touch solely for hygiene purposes? Because then when you're married, you can use them for other purposes. And we we instill that in them in a really young age. In fact, I'm actually a pretty big proponent of when toddlers, you know, if you've ever seen a toddler that's walking around scratching or touching their private parts, I'm a big uh, um, advocate that that is something we can train them not to do. And we should train them to not do that because masturbation is one of the uses of sex that is out of bounds. It's something that's not helpful. It's not helpful in a number of different ways. And you may disagree with me on that. And that's fine. From my perspective, nine times out of 10, someone is masturbating to a lustful image involving someone else, which by definition of Jesus's own words in the Bible is adultery. So if you're going to masturbate, if you want to be, you know, because the Bible doesn't specifically talk about it, then you have to really get nitty gritty in your own soul about are you lusting after someone else? And if you are using masturbation uh, coupled with lusting after another human being, even if it's a pornography star, even if it's someone who is posing in different ways that are causing temptation to come, when you step back and look at it, then you're engaging in something that's out of bounds biblically. In my opinion, there's just no way to slice it that doesn't, that doesn't, that changes that. So I want my kids to know from the earliest age possible, look, we don't touch these parts. We don't tickle these parts. We don't do those kinds of things. When we do bath time, right, we're reinforcing this message during bath time. Look, these parts that you're washing right now, these are only to be touched when you're cleaning yourself or whatever is the words that, you know, you are comfortable saying. So it begins when they're really little. And then as they get older and you teach them how to be comfortable with their body and and really embrace the changes that are happening in their body, then the conversation begins to evolve naturally. I think this is the way that God intended it to be, that it's a safe conversation between parents who are open and honest. Now, there's a fine line here from being too open and honest, right? We don't want to expose our kids to all that's out there just so that we can prepare them for what the world might bring their way. Have you ever heard of the law of first mention? The law of first mention is a biblical term, and it goes like this. The first time something is listed in the Bible becomes the precedent for how we view that scripture or that thought or that command. The first time sets the precedent. This is what it's like in all areas of life. The first time your kid learns about something, it's going to set the precedent for them of what that is. I implore you, let the first time your kid learns about sex be from a conversation from you or your spouse. Let it be from a safe space where they get to learn in a, in a place where they actually can process the information. Look, it is possible to raise sexually healthy kids. I had a conversation with my 13-year-old recently where we were talking about pornography and I was just asking him some questions about, have you had friends that have tried to show you these different things? Why? Well, because my kids go to public school and I'm not dumb, right? I'm not naive. I know what they're being exposed to. Case in point, my 10-year-old's text message on her Apple Watch. I mean, I'm not going to assume that just because they're not receiving something in the home doesn't mean they're not getting it from external sources. And so we had a conversation and my son has heard the term pornography before. We've talked about sex on on quite a few number of different occasions. And in this moment, when I began to ask him, has anybody ever shown you pornography? He said, well, what really is pornography? He said, I've heard you talk about it before, but I don't think I actually know exactly what it is. 
And so I had this conversation with my 13 year old and I said, look, pornography is essentially when someone takes their clothes off and either films a video or uh, poses for photographs in sexual poses, trying to draw out a temptation from the person who's looking at the photo. And this is what I said on the back end. But the crazy thing about that is that these are human beings who are hurting and broken. And so when somebody looks at these images and and does not respect that person in the dignity of who they are by not looking at them, by turning their eyes away, when we don't do that, we actually enslave that person to lust and temptation. And we began to talk about how as dignity, dignified, noble people of God, as people who, who are righteous because of the righteousness of Christ, we have to turn away when we see sin like that happening because we don't want to be complicit in adding to the shame that these people experience. And in that moment, my son began to talk to me about some experiences he'd had at school, and and most of it had to do with coarse joking kind of stuff. And and as we talked, I realized, by the grace of God, I have this 13-year-old kid who has never once seen a naked pornographic image in their life. Now, you might be like, well, yeah, okay, he's 13. He's not old enough for that. Look, the national average right now is 11 years old. 11 years old, a child statistically has already been exposed to pornography at least once or twice. So what I'm saying to you about this is not to toot my own horn or anything like that, because Lord knows we have issues that we're working on and and we're trying to grow in maturity for. I'm saying this to say it is possible through open and, and, and honest conversations with your kids to help shape them and help them know from right and wrong. The reason I believe why my 13-year-old is the way that he is right now is because from when he was two years old, we began to have these conversations. So what can you do? I've got three simple things for you to do. The first one is start talking. If you have never had a conversation with your kid about sex, it doesn't matter how old they are, you need to start the conversation. Now, if they're already married, okay, you know, maybe you can approach that a different way. But if your kid is single, it doesn't matter if they're 18 or 20 years old. If you have never had a conversation about sex with them and the appropriate uses of sex, they need to hear from you. Start talking. Number two, talk openly. And number three, talk often. Talk openly and talk often. Now, what am I saying by this? I'm not saying that we joke about sex, that we you know, excuse sex scenes that are on the TV or any of that. Look, here's the truth about parenting that nobody wants to believe. Your kids are not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. So if you're saying to them, refrain, refrain, refrain from looking at naked people, but you're not fast forwarding sex scenes, look, they're not going to refrain. If you are, you know, watching overly romantic things or or even movies with like soft porn, it is porn basically, or stuff with sex scenes in it, and you're not fast forwarding, you're not making a blatant stand against that, you cannot expect your kids to do it differently. Why? Because they will do what you do, not what you say. This is so important for us as parents to understand. If you are not sexually healthy, you're going to have a really hard time raising sexually healthy kids. And if you are not sexually healthy, I want to encourage you, Do whatever it takes to let God purify this part of your life because your kids will benefit. The way the world works is that the generation behind us usually takes it up a notch. 
And that's what we're seeing in today's world. In the amount of perversity that we're seeing, we're seeing three and four generations of people who have not dealt with their sexuality in a healthy, whole manner. And now we have the next generation and then the next generation taking it up a notch and up a notch. And now we're in the place that we're in. Look, it is time for a sexual revolution of sexual health of wholeness, of understanding we are not animals subject to our animalistic temptations, of understanding that purity is actually a value that is enjoyable. It's not a, It's not something that we do because we're trying to be in right standing with God, but it has no benefit to us. To be pure in heart and in body and with uh, and how we use our body benefits us in so many ways. And this is what we're communicating to our kids. So look, you got to start the conversation. You got to talk openly and you've got to talk often. Again, this is not the kind of thing that you have one conversation and you never revisit it. This is the kind of thing where at least at bare minimum, you're having a yearly check-in. Have you been exposed to something that made you uncomfortable? What did you think about that? How can we train our minds to think about this in a different way? If you've got kids who are struggling with pornography, begin to talk to them about their identity. Get something like the Moral Revolution books. They have amazing books uh, on, on this topic and resources for parents and resources for kids and teens. And get something like that and begin the conversation because we cannot just let our kids go to their own whims. In my house, we're not big YouTube fans. The reason is because I've read a couple of different studies where it only takes a handful of clicks, sometimes five suggested video clicks to get to an image about sexual things. I have a friend whose son really loved turtles and he was like nine or 10 years old and he was watching YouTube videos of turtles and he just kept clicking the next video about turtles and about three or four in, do you know what the video was about? mating habits of turtles where they were doing close-ups to the turtles' private parts while they were engaging in sex. Guess how many questions this little one had about turtles? What? Like we have to just assume they're going to be exposed. And so when we assume that, then we get to be on the offensive and we're not waiting for our kids to be corrupted and then trying to do damage control on the back end. Listen to me. If you want to have sexually healthy kids, you have to get ahead of it. You have to get in front of it and you have to teach them how to view these things. So last thing that I will say to you, how do you do this on the most practical level? You teach people that the human body is sacred and it is not to be looked at in an inappropriate ways. When my kids, my kids are little. And so when they're watching stuff on TV and there's boyfriend and girlfriend and they're kissing, I make them turn it off or close their eyes. Why? Because that's an innocent version usually of where it's going to grow to in their life. I want them on the offensive, immediately thinking these types of things are not things that I watch. It would be weird to have someone standing in your bedroom watching you and your spouse in a private moment kissing or making out or even, you know, whatever else you want to do in your bedroom. It would be weird to have someone in there watching and yet we think it's okay on the TV. So we got to get on the offensive. We got to get creative. We got to have the conversations and have them regularly. We've got to understand that they will be bombarded with this. And the best defense is a fortified mentality of what to do with this stuff. So when I'm having a conversation with my daughter about this text that she got on her phone, or when I'm having a conversation with my son, I'm not telling them, look, you have to do this and you can't do this and you should never and make it be these dogmatic things. I'm talking to them about their heart. What do you think Jesus thinks about this? How do you think Jesus wants you to respond in this way? 
How do you think God wants you to be a protector to the people in those images as opposed to being the person who's using those people in those images? How do you think God wants you to be as a daughter or as a son of God? These are the conversations that open up and create a safe space for them, not shaming them for being curious, not shaming them for going to sources to try to understand because they haven't got the information they need yet, but supporting the curiosity and pointing them back to God because God is the creator of sex. He did not create it only to be something that's never talked about until you're married and then good luck, I hope you can figure it out. Talk often, talk openly, create a safe space without shame. Listen, that's all I've really got for you on this topic. I know we could explore this a hundred different ways and spend two hours probably engaging in conversation about it, but I want to just challenge you and encourage you. As a parent, you have what it takes. It is not too late. If your kid has already been through a difficult situation sexually, it's okay. They can start fresh and you can help them to be sexually healthy. You can help them. You can help renew their mind. You can set them on the right path because God has empowered you as the their parent to know what to do for them. I'm praying for you. Together, we can change this culture as we raise sexually healthy kids. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.